Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 518. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a great guest for you today that I know will provide you with a lot of encouragement and motivation on your journey to medical school. Carly is a student who, probably much like many of you, had to overcome a not-so-great start to her academic career, a lot because she had to work. She worked and was distracted. And we've told this story over and over and over again. Poor grades is not a reflection of being a poor student. Oftentimes, poor grades is a reflection of not being able to focus on being a student. One of the best stories that we ever told here was Chad, our friend who really struggled in undergrad, struggled in a post-bac because he was taking care of his family. He had a wife, he had kids, and when he finally was able to go, you know what, I need to stop working. This is my dream to be a physician. I want to do that. He went on government programs to help uh, provide for his family, and he finally was able to perform well in an SMP program. And it wasn't until then that he was finally able to show that he can be a good student when being a student is the only thing that he had to do. You can go listen to that episode, premedyears.com slash 230. That's episode 230 of the Premed Years. He was rejected from a Caribbean medical school. And actually now he's a second year surgical resident, which is really awesome. I I, uh, am friends with him on Facebook and we continue to uh, check in with each other. So our story today, kind of very similar, although Carly is just beginning her story, but uh, a story where Carly had to improve on her journey. So let's go ahead and, and jump in. But before we do, Let's talk about the MCAT Minutes, brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. We are closing in on 300 episodes as we're recording this of the MCAT podcast. If you haven't listened to that, go listen. It's free in the podcast app that you're using to listen to this or the web browser that you're listening to this in. Just go to MCATpodcast.com. And don't forget to get a free account over at BlueprintMCAT.com. Carly, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. When did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor? Ooh, so um, that's the golden question. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind 
of grew up knowing that I wanted to be a physician. Um, my mom was a medical assistant, uh, and she still is at the same um, clinic that she has always worked at. Wow. And so it was a pediatrician's. And so that was my pediatrician growing up. And, um, you know, my mom and this uh, physician were very close. And so I think that just growing up, I thought very positively of her. Um, I respected what she did. I thought, you know, she was like this altruistic figure in my life. And so I kind of just wanted to emulate that. Yeah. And so it wasn't really a question for me. Um, I, I, I was always interested in science and I know that's, you know, the, the tune people like to, <laughs> yeah. Why, why not <laughs> be an was, MA like your mom? So, you know, I just, it was the role that this physician was in where I knew that I wanted to be, you know, the leader of the team. I wanted to have the responsibility over my patients. And so, you know, at the time as a child, it wasn't like, you know, MA or physician, but, you know, as I got older, shadowed, learned more about the field, explored different options. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of when it was solidified for me. Yeah. Did, did you look into PA and P all, all of those other kind of fields? Down the road I did with kind of how um, bumpy my undergraduate years were. <laughs> well, we'll um, get into that. Yeah, we'll get into it. But, you know, I, I did look into PA, but when I was in high school, I did do a program um, through a medical school um, nearby me that it was a uh, pharmacy, like an intro to pharmacy. And it was like a week um, long, like boot camp, if you will. And um, so they also exposed us to they exposed us to pharmacy and medicine because they had both at this college and it was a really great experience and, um, it kind of, you know, I was not interested in pharmacy at all after that, but I was definitely very interested in medicine still. So it was really helpful to kind of get my foot in the door. And it also helped me to, um, to be applying for like other high school programs. So I was kind of involved with that in high school as well. Yeah. Okay. So you, you go off to college and you're a pre-med you, you're like, I'm, I want to be a doctor. I'm going to start studying biology, chemistry, all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How'd that go? Not well. Um, so, you know, my first, my year as a freshman, I was working, um, full time and, you know, I had been working since I was 16 and really enjoyed it. But, you know, in high school, you don't have to, I didn't have to study in high school. Yeah. I didn't work hard. Um, I, you know, I took college, a couple college classes. I didn't have to work hard at them, but, um, and I continued with that in college and it was obviously completely very different. Yeah. Um, and so I lived in an apartment by myself and, you know, I wanted to be independent and I wanted to pay those bills and I wanted to do everything. And so, um, my education definitely fell by the wayside and, you know, the other people that I was working with, um, who were doing different degrees, you know, they didn't go to class. And so I kind of saw that and I was like, well, I don't have to do that either. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, you hear a lot about, you know, students, you know, my first year, like I didn't go to class. I partied a lot. I didn't have that experience. I worked a ton. Yeah. And so I was, um, so for my freshman and sophomore year, I was kind of working, I worked at a restaurant and I was working kind of up the chain of management. And so that was very easy for me and I did enjoy it, but, um, 
you know, I was challenging myself at that instead of challenging myself at OCHEM and genetics and, you know, those classes that you should be paying attention and going to. And I didn't do that. And so I think I kind of, you know, the physician dream kind of started, you know, becoming a background thing. Like I'll get to it at some point. Um, but I was in denial about how poorly I was doing. Yeah. And I think I kind of just ignored it. Was there, was there a, a sense of like, I I'm going to ignore it because I don't know if this is possible or I'm going to ignore it. And hopefully when I pick my head up, I'll get my acceptance to medical school because you didn't really understand the, the totality of the process. I would say um, the latter. So I was not familiar with how kind of grueling the process was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I was quote unquote pre-med. So I, I went to school with people who were following that track. But I think because I wasn't going to class, I didn't understand. And, you know, and so obviously that's a very bad look. And so my advisors were like, what are you doing? And <laughs> yeah. so I, uh, on it, I mean, I didn't even know that I had to take the MCAT until I was a junior. I didn't know it was a, I didn't even know it was a thing and I don't know how, but I was just kind <laughs> that, of, that was my there. story, but that was 20 years ago. You don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. And I was just, I, and I'm, I'm not the type to just kind of be like floating around and doing whatever, but you know, I got caught up in working and, and it was easy to be good at that. Yeah it was hard to be good as a student when you're trying to do both. And so um, I definitely did not understand how, how much of a hole I was digging for myself that I would have to get out of later. Um, But you know, it's all part of the process. And hopefully, you know, if I would have had this podcast, if I would have had these, if I would have been aware of these things, I would have been more educated and knowing, the but po- the podcast was around then my friend. It was. And I was so <laughs> unaware. I was blissfully unaware of all of these resources for me. Yep. Um, but it wasn't until a couple of years later where I like really started utilizing those. Yeah. But it's, so- it's interesting to hear you say, right. The, the thing that you were drawn to was the thing that you were good at. And that is just such basic human psychology of mm-hmm. we avoid the things that make us feel bad. Right. It's just it's just human psychology. And so how do we how do we fix that? Right. How do we accept the fact that OCHEM is hard and yet we still have to do it? Right. It's not fun to study uh, physics or, or biochemistry or whatever, but we still have to do it. Where where does that come into play? Is that taught by our teachers, by our parents, by siblings, by classmates? Um, where does that come from? And, and how do we, how do we make sure we have that before it's too late? Right. Because Mm -hmm. you went down a path, you avoided the pain that unfortunately dings your GPA pretty terribly, but you're having fun working your way up management and, and probably (laughs) being praised for your work there. And, and, uh, you're seeing success in a more tangible way than poor grades on, on your transcript. And, Absolutely. And, and what was it that that finally was like, I need to stop. I, I need to do something different here because your GPA got pretty bad. Oh, yeah. So um, it wasn't until I started working in the medical field that as a scribe in the emergency department, and that was my junior year, um, 
that I gained mentors. And I think if that's like, if I could offer a piece of advice, it would be that just mentors are so important and having somebody who believes in you, um, even when your GPA is as bad as mine was. And when you have kind of failed yourself, having somebody that can kind of see past that and say, you know, you know, this is something that you were supposed to do. It's very evident. So I don't think it was until then that I kind of got that wake up call where I was like, I've obviously got to change something. Um, and I think for a lot of us, people who um, are kind of in this field, like we, I, do, I did love science. Um, I did love learning. But again, since I had disappointed myself already, it just kind of, it, it continued. And so it just kind of became easier to avoid that disappointment then go after and work harder for something, even though I enjoyed it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense. I, I want to potentially challenge or maybe reframe or, or just ask a question. Uh, sure. when, when you started scribing, I see this happen all the time. When you started scribing before you were working in the restaurant industry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a job in a clinical environment and you say it was mentors, which obviously is a big part of this process. I would probably say it was the first time you could actually see yourself in that environment as one of those people. And you finally had that, oh, this is what I'm working for. I see it all the time, especially with students who struggle with their grades. They're not in a clinical environment. They're not shadowing. They don't understand as we were talking about earlier, the pain, right? The, the, the not feel good stuff of studying for OCHEM, studying for biochem, whatever it is, they're not able to, to attach that pain to their why, right? And, mm-hmm. and have a tangible like, oh, I just did a shift in, in the ER as a scribe. I have to go study, study now. I'm more excited to study because of what I just came from. I can see, I can, I can understand what I'm working towards now. Do you think there was some aspect of that? Oh, a thousand percent. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I was, yes, I was finally able to see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's really important when you get yourself kind of dug into a hole is doing your, you know, doing something for yourself that, that, kind of reminds you of that why. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Like seeing seeing these physicians who I worked with, formed a great relationship with, um, who were my mentors, who believed in me, and then seeing, you know, the impact that they were having on their patients, knowing kind of what they had gone through to get there, because not everybody's path is straightforward. Most people's aren't. Um, and just, you know, seeing myself in their role and knowing that I I could do it, it would just take a lot of of work. Um, it was absolutely, I think if I would have started in a clinical environment earlier on, it's very likely that I would have not been in the position that I I was in. Yeah. So besides going and, uh, and changing your environment from a work perspective, how did you change your study habits and, and force yourself to be a better student? Um, I think it all, you know, I needed to take accountability and that's something that I hadn't been doing for my first couple years of school. I was not taking accountability for 
um, for my faults. And so if, if I studied at all, my first two years, I was cramming the night before. Um, I wasn't, again, I wasn't going to class. I wasn't taking notes and I wasn't immersing myself in that environment. And so I think that, you know, when the switch flipped, I, I started going to class. I did not miss class. Um, I took notes and I enjoyed being there. And I think, um, you know, knowing what I was working towards, it was, it was easier to put in that time and invest in myself because I knew that all of that work and investment would be worth it soon. And so, um, so yeah, and I, I studied all the time. I studied at school, I studied in groups, I made, you know, friends with my classmates and that's something that I hadn't really done. I was not putting myself in a good environment. Um, and so it, it, you know, it became easier and it became enjoyable, you know, when I wasn't working in, um, the emergency room, I, I was still working towards something else. And so it was, what, what gave you the the confidence that you could pull yourself out of the, the deep hole that you, you dug for yourself? Um, honestly, so I, a multitude of things, I think that I had to do obviously some introspection. Um, but sometimes we need like a kickstart. And so I think that the, uh, when I started working in the emergency room, I, it was like I had mentioned previously, um, my, my advisor had said, you know, I I think PA is the rep for you. I don't, I'm not sure that MD is what, or DO is going to do it, you know, with your statistics, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I met the people in the emergency room, the, the physicians, the PAs. And I said, you know, I, I'm going to be a PA. Um, and they were like, well, no, you're not, <laughs> you're going to med school. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to PA, I'm going to apply to PA school. And they were like, no, you're, you're definitely not. And so I think it was kind of just like people believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. And then kind of around that time, um, I'm not sure how I got introduced to your podcast, but um, I had a 35 minute commute to school every day and I went Monday through Friday. And so it was listening to the stories, I think, of other people who had been in my position, because I think a lot of the times we get clouded by, you have to have a 4.0, you have to get a 520 to be likable to schools um, and to be interesting. And you know, when you, when you don't have peers who are, who have you, you've seen their success stories, um, it can get kind of, you know, sad. And so, um, I think it was hearing about other people that you had interviewed who had kind of been in similar positions and had accomplished their goals and worked through hardships that motivated me and kind of gave me the confidence that I'm also able to do that. And now, I mean, I, I firmly believe that you can pull yourself out of anything. Um, obviously, it's easier if you don't have to, but <laughs> yes, you know it's possible. And yeah. so, I well, let's let's talk about that, right? It, it's easier potentially if you don't have to. Do you think that kind of come from behind story of of overcoming early struggles helped with you having so much success through the application cycle? Absolutely, and um, so do I think it would have been quote unquote easier. Yes, more straightforward. However, um, I don't regret it because it has kind of made me who I am and it has made me the student that I am and given me, that's my identity. Um, and, and I know that I am 
um, able to overcome adversity. And so I think that when you have to push yourself through that, you know, um, through that process, you, at least I think that I was more tenacious. And so I think that's kind of the identity and that's kind of um, what I put forth to the schools that I applied to and interviewed at um, was just like that kind of underdog story. Yeah. So your, your MCAT also did not go super great. Uh, what what right. happened there? Um, you know, I studied for the MCAT for about months and that's quite how many a long months time. eight eight, eight yes months. okay that's quite a long time yep. I think um so you know I I dedicated a lot of time to it I did what I thought you know going to you know give me success um I did the Kaplan I did you know all the stuff you're supposed to I did a test you know the practice test um and it just kind of flopped um, I had a lot going on in my personal life at the time as well um, with a partner who was in the military and deployed at the time. And then I had a death in the family um, a week before I took the MCAT. Mm. Um, and I had already moved it um, a couple months um, because my partner was deployed and I, I was just not, I didn't feel confident to, you know, enough to go into it. Um, so I already moved it. And then I had, you know, that death in the family a week before, but I was like, I, I've got to take this. Um, so my highest practice, uh, AMC practice score was a 508. And I was personally comfortable with that because I'm not the best test taker. I know that. Um, but during the test, um, I don't know what happened. I did not finish a single section Wow. and I, you know, during the practice test, I was, you know, I was doing it timed, but I just went in and choked, I guess. And so I, yeah, I didn't finish a single section and I came out with a 499 and I thought, I definitely knew that I wasn't going to get a 508. I definitely did not think I was getting a 499. Yeah. That was, um, and I had already graduated. So I know I haven't mentioned, but I, I had, um, it ended up being two gap years. And so, um, you know, I had already graduated. I was confident in, you know, how I had done in my last two years of school. Um, and so that kind of, you know, that was kind of unmotivating, yeah. you know, seeing that. Were you already in the application cycle or did you get your score back early enough that you could potentially not apply? I, oh yes, absolutely. So I had not started yet. Um, okay. I, um, as per you know, your advice, I was very dead set on applying, sending my application in the first week, okay, very early. And so I had been working towards that. Um, I didn't want to rush anything, but I took the test in April. Okay. So I got my score back in May. Um, and so, yes, I I could have done June. Um, but I didn't, I don't know what it was. I just, I did not, I, I, no one wants to take the MCAT again. First of all. <laughs> no, no. Um, I'm, I'm not no, sure. Nobody that, wants to take it the first time either. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely didn't want to do that. Um, <laughs> didn't want to definitely did not want to do it again. So I just, I, I don't know what it was. I felt ready. Okay. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. I, 
I felt like I was ready for medical school. Okay. My statistics did not show that, um, yeah. you know, except for the upward. You had a strong spike, upward trend. I guess. Yes. Um, okay. Except for that. Yep. Which was definitely on my side. I was not, you know, I was not convincing okay. on paper. Yeah. So, but there was something where I just really felt that I was ready. I did not think that personally, I did not think that the MCAT, you know, my score on the MCAT was going to, you know, make it. I don't think, I did not think it was reflective of my ability to learn in medical school. Yeah. Obviously you cannot go into an interview and say, well, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm glad, um, I'm glad you think that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I yeah. want you to believe me. So yeah. obviously that's, that's not, um, that's not how it went, but, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't always offer that advice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you should definitely apply with a 499, yeah. but I had heard enough stories about people getting in and I felt that I was ready. Yeah. So you end up applying 499 mm -hmm. MCATs, low three GPA, but a strong mm -hmm. upward trend. You didn't do a post-bac because you, you basically used your, your third and fourth years of undergrad as your post-bac, which we see a lot. Exactly. Which is yeah. great. Um, you... Like, screw it. I'm going for it. <laughs> if they're not ready for me, that's their fault. Because I, I know I'm ready. <laughs> um, how did you decide what schools to apply to? Because the majority of students, unfortunately, just go to the MSAR and they go, okay, what? where are the schools that ma match my stats? No school will match those stats, right, that, that you have. Right. Um, mm -hmm. You are way below the averages and the 10th percentiles for basically every single school out there. How did you figure out what schools to apply to, MD, DO, all of that fun stuff? So I, too, fell victim to the MSAR. Um, and I used it as a tool, and it was very helpful. Um, I, but I knew that I would have to apply broadly. Yeah. And I was okay with that. Um, I did apply very broadly to, I think I ended up applying to 30 schools. Um, MD and DO. Um, and, you know, I was more open to whatever kind of came my way. But at the same time, um, there were some schools where I just did not feel like I would be a good fit. And so those are the ones that I didn't apply to. Um, I, I didn't really use like SDN or like Reddit throughout my, um, throughout my college career but as far as like seeing how people felt about the schools that they were in um i did kind of go and see what people had to say um about each school before applying and so i was kind of i did kind of have a rough list of schools that i wanted to apply to um before and uh so i applied to a lot of schools in my home state um and then you know, I was okay with being out of state if that's what happened, but um, I ended up, I think I applied to more DO schools. I think I applied to 20 DO schools and 10 MD. Okay. Yeah. So you, you're doing research, um, not just, not just looking at stats, but, but going and seeing what students are talking about, trying to find a good fit. Do you mm -hmm. think putting in that little bit of extra research, not being able to just go, okay, here are my stats, here are schools that match. Do you think that helped lead to more success because you received a, a good amount of interviews? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. So yeah, if I would have, and you know, I was not, I was not ignorant to the stats. Yep. Um, I, I was very aware of what, you know, what the median and means for what people were accepting and the average MCAT and the GPAs. And I, I was aware of that, but I didn't, you know, I obviously took the leap to apply and I wasn't going to hold myself back by applying to five schools mm-hmm. that had very low stats. Um, so absolutely. I think casting my net a little wider, um, again, still having standards about where I was going. I, I wasn't going to apply somewhere where I didn't feel like I would be happy, yeah. but, um, I didn't let the stats hold me back. I didn't apply to Harvard, but I, you know, I was applying at places where very clearly people had done better, edu- you know, in, in their education than I. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it held, you know, it did obviously hold me back, but I received many um, secondaries. And so, you know, I, yeah, I, I think if I would have, held myself back, I wouldn't have had as many opportunities yeah. for sure. And and just to be clear, uh receiving a secondary has no like most schools send them. They're they're not oh, screening. Oh no, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean for sure. I with my MCAT, I think that was probably like if I was if there were screenings at all. Yeah. Um which there weren't. Again, I yeah. was thinking I would maybe receive 10 back out of the 30 something and it was a full-time job applying yeah. oh yeah so you're absolutely correct um they wanted my money for sure so <laughs> yeah uh, but, and they got it but. but then but then several turned around and they wanted to talk to you so when when you actually got that first interview invite what what did that feel like um so I was, I was working mm-hmm. when I got the interview. Um, I, I wasn't working in the emergency department anymore, but I was working um, as a scribe outpatient in dermatology. And so I was actually in the middle of a conversation with the physician I was working with. And I got a call from um, the state that I, you know, at the school I had just inter, you know, a, or applied to. And um, oh, I'm talking about my acceptance, excuse me. So I'm... <laughs> Um, the inter or the interview, yeah. I was still at work, but I was, um, shocked. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't believe it. I had actually just applied to that school. It was the last school I applied to. Um, and so that must've been in September and like a week later I got, um, an interview invite and it was very fast. Um, they wanted, I think it was for like the next week. And so like I had, again, I had just applied, got the interview invite. It was next, it was the next week. And so I was just kind of, I was very taken aback. I, yeah. I was confident when I applied, but then, you know, as it goes on, you, I was, you know, trying to tell myself not to get too excited. Um, and I was just kind of, I was shocked that I actually did it. Um, yeah. who's the first so, person you told? Um, I think my mom, I, yeah. well, I mean, other than the, the, the physicians that I was at work with, um, were all very excited. Um, yeah, it was very exciting. And, you know, after that, it was my only in-person interview. Okay. Um, and after that, I felt like I actually, maybe I can do this. Maybe, maybe people do see value in what I'm putting out there. And so, um, yeah, it was just very, it was very exciting. Um, and yeah. So you, you go on your, your first interview you go on several more uh, virtual interviews. Mm-hmm. 
how often did your stats come up in your interviews? Um, not as often as I thought, mm-hmm. um, a, a couple times. So in my first interview, just very briefly came up, um, I, it was about the MCAT actually. It wasn't about my GPA, yeah. um, which was surprising to me because I had gotten some pretty bad grades. Um, and you know, it was, I tried to give a very brief answer and they, you know, they didn't question it. And, um, I think it came up in maybe two out of my five interviews. So it was, it was something that I had prepared for. Um, I was very ready to defend myself, (laughs) you know, (laughs) to, to make light out of it. Um, but also like I was, I was very honest about it. And so, um, I think that translated well, but it definitely didn't come up as, as much as I thought. Obviously they can see, um, you know, it's, it's not like, I don't think that the schools that I interviewed at, um, couldn't see my statistics. So, you know, they knew I knew, um, (laughs) everyone knows the dirty dirty laundry is being aired. Um, Yeah. So we don't, so we didn't, you know, spend the entire time talking about it. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You you got the interview. And I, I think too many students, I, I get so many messages from students going, Dr. Gray, I'm so worried. I have an interview and my stats are terrible. I'm like, but but you have an interview. Yeah, <laughs> but my stats are terrible and they're going to, but you, you got the interview. They know what your stats yeah. are. You got the interview. Don't worry about that. Move on. They've moved on mm-hmm. already. Move move on. Um, yeah. It's it's so funny. We um we again just going back to human psychology we just we fear the worst and and the worst is really just not 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 that bad so yeah i agree you i think you said five interviews how many acceptances mm-hmm. from those five interviews four four acceptances with a 499 mm-hmm. that is impossible I, that can't happen according to I SDN. Know. Um, i know and not all DO because that's the next assumption is, oh, they must be all DO acceptances. Yep. Yeah. I am an MD student. You're, so. you're, you're an MD <laughs> candidate, uh, as they say. Yes. So yes. what was it What was it like, right? You, you, you go through this process. You struggle early. You pick yourself up. You fall back down with the MCAT. You pick yourself up enough to just please, please just give me a shot. Some and, mercy, and lots yes. of ple- uh, lots of lots of schools did, and then they turn around, and you have lots of acceptances to choose from. Who was that first phone call to? Was that that's your mom? You you started to go down that story, uh, being at work, getting that first acceptance. Yes, yes. So I, um, I think so. When I got the acceptance to the school that I am currently at. I was at work. Um, and that was very exciting because again, um, I had mentioned before we started that, um, it was my top choice. Um, I felt that, you know, my values were in line with, you know, the schools that I got into. And so that was very exciting. There was a lot of jumping, um, and, you know, screaming and happiness. Um, but the first acceptance I got, I was actually home with my mom as well. And, um, I got the call. It was just, it was, yeah, it was very exciting. I, I think that it was kind of like a sigh of relief. Um, because I, there was some part of me that didn't think that it was possible. And I think a lot of people, you know, have that, like, I was just kind of in disbelief that I achieved it. 
um, because it was a very long process and it was a lot of picking myself up and it was a lot of, you know, faking the confidence until you have the confidence, if that makes sense. Um, it was, it took a lot of convincing myself that I could do it. And so I think like when that hard work paid off, I was like, Oh, really? It, it worked, you know, I, I got here. And so it was, um, it was very, it was a very reinforcing feeling. Like I, I was meant to do this and the challenges, um, did pay off. And, you know, so yeah, it was, it was very exciting. Yeah. What was the hardest part of the whole process for you? Oh, goodness. Um, to be honest, I think, I think the hardest part of the application process, I will say, I think was writing my secondaries Mm. and writing my, um, personal statement because I wanted to be very intentional with what I was doing and what I was saying. And I did not want to rush it. Um, and it was difficult for me to try to portray who I was, um, because it takes a lot of introspection. I think when you're writing these, um, like it takes a lot of reflecting on yourself. Um, when you're writing this personal statement and when you're writing, you know, these essays, and I think still a part of me was disappointed that I had done as poorly as I, as I had. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be very honest about who I was and I didn't want to fake anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I think struggling with that confidence that I could do it, it was difficult to write those because obviously like you don't want to make it negative, but you don't want to be a liar. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to show who I was and be very honest. And so I think it was difficult to put that out. I'm also a bad, a very bad writer. Mm. So, um, it was difficult, but it, it worked out. So it worked out. It's all it takes yeah. for the, yes. the student who is struggling on their journey, first year, second year, getting those F's and D's like, like you were getting very early on and doubting their ability or maybe hearing it from others that they, they can't go on to this, this path. What, what do you, what do you want to say to them? I think, I think it's, it's really important to, to be confident in, you know, our abilities to overcome adversity Mm -hmm. and understanding that it's not always a negative. Um, Doing poorly is a very bad feeling and it can be very difficult to get out of that rut, but it, you know, it makes us who we are. Yeah. Um, we move past it. And I think that I'm better for it, um, for having to to work very hard to overcome those things. And so I don't think that anything is impossible. I think if you have enough, you know, grit and tenacity and, um, you know, if you're willing to put in the work, I think that you can do anything. Um, and obviously like our, our statistics and what a school, if they accept you, deny you, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it it does not define your worth as a future physician. Um, if you want to, you know, be in this spot and you want to help people enough, I think that you can, you can do anything and move past it and get there. 
All right, so there you have it. Again, Carly on her journey to medicine, to medical school, to gaining her acceptance. I hope this was encouraging for you. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.